Church, how we doing tonight? Great to see everyone here. My name's Clayton Walker. I'm the pastor here at Raider Church. If we haven't met, pumped you are joining us tonight for week two of Bleep. As Mark said, we're starting a new series called Catfish next week. You won't want to miss that. We're just going to be talking about how to be real and real with ourselves and real with others in a world and with people uh, who usually are fake. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like uh, for it to be okay to not be okay and to take the mask off with ourselves and with others. It's going to be a powerful series about how to be genuine in a fake world. So come join us next time. also want to welcome those of you watching online. Uh, I just want to say a quick word to you guys. We do this stream uh, for you too, uh, for parents to join in from your, uh, from where you guys live, from the hometown uh, uh, for you and your parents. Uh, so we, we do that for parents. Uh, we do that as a front door uh, for students at Texas Tech and Wayland and LCU and South Plains for college students in this region, in this area that are in this vicinity, just as a front door of a way to say, hey, this is who we are. And so as you share those posts and, and let other people know what's going on here and what God's doing in your life, um, we're, we're happy you guys are joining us too, is you're watching live. And I just want to say a quick word to you, especially if you're a college student or in your 20s, we want to invite you to come and, and, and to be here. We don't want your experience with Raider Church just to be limited to watching on a screen. We want you to be here where you can be a part of a new spiritual family and get to know other followers of Jesus that you can do life with. Because that, that's really the key uh, to seeing change in your life is getting to do the Christian life with other people. So if you're watching online and you're a college student right now, we would love to have you come and join us here at the City Bank Auditorium Tuesday nights at 9, live and in person to get to know us and to get to know other people. We promise we're not weird, okay? We're, you'll come and you'll love it and you'll love singing and worshiping with hundreds and hundreds of college students and uh, God will do something special in your life. So we want you to, to come and to be a part. Well, I grew up here in Lubbock. Okay. So I went to Trinity Christian school, uh, for the most part. And then the last year of elementary school, um, I went to a new school, Preston Smith elementary. Okay. And I was the new kid. Okay. And I'm not going to lie my time at Trinity. Like I was kind of one of the top dogs. Okay. Like I was pretty, don't laugh. I was one of the, I was one of the popular guys. Like I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of girlfriends. Okay. And so, um, I transferred to Preston Smith and now I'm the new kid. I'm the new guy. And, um, all of that kind of goes out the window. And so I'm starting over, I'm starting fresh. And so for the first time in my life, I'm kind of experiencing some insecurity. Like I had been way confident, uh, as, uh, my, my, in my career at Trinity and been probably like way overconfident. Okay. And so I get to Trin or to Preston Smith and in sixth grade and I'm the new guy and, um, I I'm pretty insecure. 
I don't know anyone. Everyone already kind of knows each other. They've been at school. Many of them have been at school together for, you know, five, six years. And so I'm the new guy and um, I'll never forget. I was at my locker and I was getting some stuff out of my locker one day and there was this girl and she was one of the popular girls. Her name was Amy. And uh, I'm, I'm getting my backpack out of my locker and she's getting some stuff out of her locker. And she looks at me and she says, Clayton. And I'm like, oh man. She's talking to me. And she says, Clayton, I say, yes, you look so weird. I was destroyed. Some of you are laughing. It's not funny. You're heartless, okay? You're savage. You're laughing at me in my pain, okay? So she tells me I look weird. Okay, now I know, like as a girl, this would be so much more devastating to you, okay? I, I, I totally get this. But this really, I'm not going to lie, like this jacked me up, okay? And so much so that I remember that moment to this day. It really affected me. And Amy, if you're out there, I'm totally fine. Okay, don't, don't worry. Okay, everything's cool. All right, we're, we're cool. I forgive you. Okay, it's, it's all right. But that comment really altered my personality and the way that I saw myself in sixth grade and going into middle school and then in high school. And I really, it wasn't just because of that, but I really didn't recover from that insecurity until probably late my junior year of high school when I really started walking with Jesus and began to have an identity in Jesus apart from the way that I looked or what people had said about me or not said about me. It really affected me. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had some of those comments, whether it was from a person at school or someone you work with, or maybe, maybe even worse, a family member who has said something to you or spoken something over you and you've never forgotten it. You've held on to it. In fact, you could tell every little detail about that moment when someone said something to you and spoke that, what James 3 would say, that curse over you. And it may have even altered your life and the direction of your life and the way that you thought about yourself and the way that you saw yourself because words are that powerful. They carry that kind of power. And so if you got a Bible, I wanna show you what I'm talking about. James chapter three, if you don't have a Bible, go to, on your phone to your web browser. You can pull up RaiderChurch.com, uh, select message notes. You can follow along with us. James chapter three, James is the brother of Jesus. And uh, we talked about this last week, but James didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God uh, because he was his brother. And then he sees Jesus risen from the dead and he starts off the book of James in James chapter one saying, I'm James, a servant of Jesus, of my brother. James was a skeptic, he, he doubted. In fact, the gospel tells that James and the brothers of Jesus thought that Jesus was literally out of his mind. But when they saw Jesus risen from the dead, they couldn't help it. They gave their lives to Jesus and they ended up dying as martyrs because of their faith in Jesus and saying they eyewitnessed his resurrection. So this is James, the, the brother of Jesus, the servant of Jesus. Don't let that escape you, that is huge. That is huge. So James chapter three, the brother of Jesus said this, starting in verse two, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves and, 
Every other way. So we talked about this last week, how the effect that our tongue and the words and the things that we speak over ourselves and the way that can totally direct our lives. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. That's the, talking about the tongue. And again, a small rudder, the tongue, or just a simple word, makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. A tiny spark, a tongue, a tiny word, just a flippant word, can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes, watches this, watch this, it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. In other words, it makes no sense for blessing and cursing to come out of the same mouth if you're a follower of Jesus. You know, I've got a daughter. Her name's Nixon. She's and I can tell Nixon, I tell her this all the time. I can tell her, Nixon, you are so pretty and smart. Or I'll say, Nixon, your, your hair looks so amazing today. Or Nixon, I love your shirt. Or I love your skirt. Or I love your shoes. Or she puts on, she gets my wife's makeup and she just ruins her face with it. Okay, she just puts it everywhere. Uh, one time my, my, my son, Coben, told her, told, told Nixon, he says, Nixon, your face is so messy. And she goes, it's not messy, it's pretty. So she'll, she'll get makeup all over her face. I'll say, Nixon, your makeup, it looks so good. Like, I love your lipstick, okay? So when I do this, here's Nixon. I don't know if I'm doing this right, but this is kind of, she does this little kind of twist, she turns and twists kind of back and forth and she has this smile and she kind of looks. And then a lot of times she'll walk over to the mirror in our bedroom. She'll kind of look at herself and smile and, you know, look at herself and twist and turn. I, I mean, she totally lights up. She totally lights up when I encourage her and I build her up and I speak life and blessing into her. She totally lights up. Her face can change in an instant with a word of blessing or encouragement. A week ago, a week of Valentine's Day, which I know some of you are still bitter about, and, and, and so just please forgive me as I bring up Valentine's Day. But the week of Valentine's Day, I'm putting my son to bed, Coben, and as I'm putting him to bed, oftentimes that's a time where my kids will, will tell us things that they haven't told us before, they haven't told us previous. It's like a time where they just, all of a sudden, they're just, they tell us all this different random things that happened to them and that they did. And, and, and sometimes they'll, they'll start confessing all of these things that they've said or thought or did, and we're like, oh, okay, great, okay. So 
But the other day, Coben, I'm putting him, I'm putting him to bed, and Coben says, Dad, um, he starts to tear up. We, we weren't talking about anything related to this, but he just, he starts to tear up. He says, Dad, a girl told me today that my eyebrows are dumb because she can't see them because they're blonde. And he was in tears. He said, Dad, I hate my, I hate my eyebrows. I wish they weren't blonde. Oh my God. Oh, God. So what, you know, what do you do in that moment? So I'm telling him, you know, Coben, buddy. And I, all of a sudden I remembered that a couple of his uncles have blonde eyebrows. And I'm like, Uncle Travis, Uncle Case, Uncle, they, they, they all have blonde eyebrows and you love them. And then, you know, it kind of totally changed the, the way that he thought about it because he loves them. He looks up to them. And, and so he, knowing that they have blonde eyebrows that you can't see, I guess, you know, just totally like changed his attitude about it. But, but that girl, that simple little comment just destroyed him. And he was in tears over it. And so that week at the Valentine's Day party, I took her sack of Valentine's and I replaced it with coal. And so, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't really do that. Uh, but I wanted to do it. But, um, but man, those tiny words destroyed him. You know, our words, the things that we speak to others and maybe about others behind their back have a lot of power. And you know what's wild, and, and many of you know this to be true too, a word of encouragement can make someone's day. It can totally brighten their day. But tearing someone down can ruin someone's life. A word of encouragement, building someone up, speaking blessing into someone's life, it can make someone's day, but a curse, tearing someone down, making fun of someone, pointing something, criticizing someone, it can ruin their life. That's how powerful our words are. And that's what James is saying, that a tiny word can set a forest on Fire, it can alter the direction and the course of someone's life. So we need to be careful about what we say. So you have a choice. Speaking a blessing breathes life. You can breathe life. But speaking a curse sucks life. You can breathe life into people. You can breathe life into the rooms that you walk into. Or you can suck the life out of people and suck the life out of a room. So my challenge for you tonight would be to don't suck. Stop sucking. Breathe life into people by speaking a blessing over someone or into someone's life. So how do we do that? Well, Let's go back to our list. We talked about this last week. Here's the ways that we can speak life and blessing into people. We talked about these things as it applies to our lives last week. Let's look at this list again. We typically will tell someone in, in speaking a, a curse over someone that they can't do something. You can't do this. But in Christ, the Bible says through Christ, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. And so we tell people you can you can. Through Christ, you have the power. You have the ability. 
If we're going to speak death, if we're going to speak a curse over someone, we're going to say, oh, that's impossible. You want to suck the life out of someone, suck the life out of a room? You talk about how impossible things are. But if you want to breathe life and speak a blessing, you talk about how with God all things are possible. That there's nothing that's too hard for God. Last week we said... We say about our, our, ourselves when we're speaking death over ourselves or lies over ourselves, we're saying we, we focus on the stain of sin, but in Christ we're spotless. And so if we want to speak life and a blessing over someone into someone, we don't say focused on the stain of their sin. We don't continue to remind them of the stain of their sin, their broken past. No, we encourage them and remind them that in Christ they are spotless. They are forgiven. We don't remind people of their stain. We remind people of their spotless, righteous, holy, forgiven position before God. That's how you speak life. That's how you speak a blessing into someone. We don't call people failures. That's sucking the life. We remind people of their failures. That's sucking the life out of someone. We want to breathe life. We remind them that through Christ, they are victors. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that it's through Jesus Christ we have victory over sin and death. Through Christ, we are victors, not victims. And so we remind people that they're victors and not failures. If we want to breathe life, We don't talk about how people are worthless or how they have no value or how they can't do anything or how they can't do anything right. That sucks the life out of someone. We want to breathe life into people and into the rooms that we walk in. And so we remind people of who they are in Christ, that they're a royal priesthood, says in 1 Peter 2. They're a royal priesthood. They belong to God. They're royalty. That's who they are in Christ. You want to speak life into someone, breathe life into people? You remind people of who they are in Christ, that they are royalty. And then if we want to suck the life out of people or out of a room, we tell people all our opinions and everything that we think But for those of us who are in Christ, we follow Jesus. It's not necessarily about what we think anymore. It's about what God has said. And so in Christ, and those of us who are followers of Jesus, if we want to speak life and breathe life into people, we remind people of what's written. Like Jesus said, when he was faced with temptation, he responded, it's written. It's written. It's written. And the devil left him. If we want to help people stand strong in their faith, we tell people about what the Bible says, that it is written. And you'll speak life, you'll speak a blessing into someone's life as you remind people of what God's word says, not what you think, not what conventional wisdom says, not what this book says, not what this person says. We speak life, we speak blessing by reminding people of what the Bible says, that it is written. But here's what you have to realize. In the conversation that you're in, in the room that you're in, you're doing one of two things. You're, doing, you're either breathing life in or you're sucking life out. 
in the conversations you're in, in the rooms that you're in, you're either breathing life into that person and into that room, or you're sucking the life out of those people and out of that room. You're doing one or two things. So if you're criticizing people all the time, if you make fun of people all the time, if you're constantly talking about other people behind their back, you are sucking the life out of those people. My wife and I lead a house church that we meet in on Sunday mornings and the Tatums are in there with us and several other friends of ours. And one of the couples is a couple named Danny and Ashley Sinclair. And she posted a couple of weeks ago and this story and I asked her if I could share it. And she said that, that, that we could, but um, Danny and Ashley are, are way, way high up in a company called It Works that sells uh, nutrition supplements, health and nutrition supplements. And, and they've been in it for a while. And so they're, they're way high up in this business. They travel all over the place doing different seminars and things like that. And they're like triple black diamond and all that kind of stuff, whatever that, I don't know what all that means, but um, I know what it means in skiing. I don't know what it means totally in these, in these different businesses and companies, but, but they're, way, they're way up high in this company. They're like some of the top earners in our country for this company. And so when Ashley posts something, whether it's a post or a video, because she has hundreds of thousands of followers, she gets a lot of comments and, and feedback. And, and many of her videos that she's done have gone viral. And so she was telling us, and she was posting about this a couple of weeks ago, that she had this one video that went viral. And so people were commenting on it from all over the country and, and all over the world, hundreds of comments. And most of them were people that were encouraging her and, and saying nice things to her. But there was this one comment from some random guy that she had never met before, she's never met since, who said, man, she's got a funny nose. Hundreds and hundreds of positive comments. That one comment totally wrecked her. She couldn't stop thinking about it. In fact, she said that she would obsess over it and she wouldn't stop looking at herself in the mirror and looking at her nose. And it almost drove her to get a nose job. She was seriously considering it because of that one comment from some random guy. That's how powerful and life-altering our words are. In fact, Jewish rabbis would call the tongue an arrow because it could wound or kill its victim from a far distance. That's how powerful your words are. So you can suck the life out of people. You can suck the life out of a room. Or you can breathe life. Proverbs 12.25 says this, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Don't you want that to be you? That has an encouraging word for people that can build people up, that can breathe life and speak a blessing into someone's life and bring life into them. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Paul said this in Ephesians Chapter four, he said this, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement 
to those who hear them. So whether you're in the conversation with that person or maybe you're talking about someone behind their back, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words, whether you're face to face or you're behind their back, you're not with them. Let your words be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's how you speak blessing and breathe life into people, into the rooms you go in. You know, James said that the way we talk to other people and the way we talk about other people when they're not around says a lot about three different things. Watch this. It says a lot about number one, your health. The way that you talk to people and the way that you talk about others, it says a lot about your own health. You see, only immature and insecure people tear other people down to make themselves feel better. Immature and insecure people will tear others down to make themselves feel better. And most of the time, they won't even do it to their face. They'll do it behind their back. And so James says, if that's you or if that's me and when that's been me, it should cause us to examine ourselves. And it really says more about us than it says about the person that we're talking about. You see, the way that we talk to people and talk about it, it says a lot about our own health, our own maturity. Two, it says a lot about your love for God. The way that you talk to people and talk about people, it says a lot about your love for God. In James chapter three, the verses that we were just reading, James was talking about how when we curse people who are made in the image of God. You see, you may not have ever thought about this, but when you tear someone down or when you make fun of someone or when you're criticizing someone, and I'm not talking about the constructive criticism, I'm talking about the annoying criticism, okay? When you're, when you're pointing out all the, the negative things and so when, when you do those things, you're tearing down God's kids. And if you hurt God's kids, you, you hurt God. You see, if you make fun of one of my kids, you're not just hurting one of my kids, you're hurting me. And then I hurt you. No, I'm just kidding. Kind of. You hurt someone's kids, you hurt them. And so it says a lot about your love for God if you're willing to tear someone down or, or speak badly about them behind their back. In fact, 1 John says this, 1 John 4, 20 says, if someone says, I love God, I love God, I, I follow Jesus, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? The way that you talk to people or about people behind their back, it says a lot about your love for God and whether it's real and genuine or maybe fake. Which leads to number three. The way that you talk to people and the way that you talk about other people, it says a lot about your faith. 
It says a lot about your own faith because you see, James said it doesn't make sense for blessing and cursing to come out of the same mouth. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to claim to be a follower of Jesus, but then constantly make fun of people or tear other people down or have every conversation be centered on you and, and all about you. That, that doesn't make sense for blessing and cursing to come out of the same mouth. Several years ago, my, my boys, in one second, they would tell each other how much they loved each other. But then if they got in a fight over the toy, they, they would say this to each other. You're not my brother anymore. I'm like, whoa, that's an important toy. But it makes no sense. One second, you're saying I love you. The next second, because of a toy, you're saying you're not my brother anymore. That doesn't make any sense. And James is saying here in James 3, it makes no sense to claim to be a follower of Jesus, yet to tear other people down, to speak a curse over someone, whether it's to their face or behind their back. It makes no sense. In fact, James would say this in James chapter 1. If you claim to be religious, you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. You claim to be a follower of Jesus? James, the brother of Jesus is saying, the way that you talk to people and the way that you talk about people behind their back, it says a lot about whether or not that's really true or whether you're just lying to yourself. James is saying, I mean, basically, one of the tests that we can see whether we're genuinely followers of Jesus or not is the way that we talk to people and the way that we talk about people behind their back. Because if you claim you love God, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Jesus said, we said this last week, Jesus said, for out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. And so maybe the reason that you struggle with tearing people down or talking people behind their back is because there's a heart issue that's coming up out of a heart that's not right. It's not in the right place. And so maybe you're here tonight and you read these Verses and it convicts you and it stings a little. And tonight, maybe you just need to ask Jesus to change your heart. Jesus, my clearly my heart's not right. It hasn't been in the right place. Would you change my heart tonight? Because you see, the only thing that can change your heart is Jesus. And when you give your life to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And it changes you from the inside out. And so when it comes to the stuff we're talking about tonight, it's not like you can just try harder. It's not like you can just try to be a better person. No, you need Jesus to change your heart from the inside out. And that can only happen if you're a follower of Jesus. And some of you are here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you need to understand the Bible says that apart from Christ, you're still in your sin. In fact, Romans 5 says, Paul said this in Romans chapter 5, he said, if we're not in Christ, then we're actually enemies of God. 
Because of our sin, we're rebels against God. We've rebelled against God. There's a price for our sin. There's a punishment. There's a fine to be paid for our sin. It's eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the fine for your sin so that you could be set free from your sin and from the penalty of sin, which is hell. And some of you here tonight, you need to give your life to Jesus so that you can be set free from the penalty of your sin so that Jesus' death on the cross, his payment of your fine can be applied to you. And that one day when you stand before God, you'll know for sure that you're going to heaven because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, not because you tried harder, not because you were a better person, not because you went to church enough times, not because you got baptized. You'll know for sure because of what Jesus has done for you. We often tell our kids, how many times do you have to pray in order to be right with God? They'll say, well, I don't know, 10? Okay, that's, that's a good number. But what if, isn't, so, so would nine be enough? Oh, no, no, nine's not enough. So, so it's 10. Well, what about 11? Do you have to do it 11 times? What if I only shared with Jesus with 50 people in my entire life? Would I, would I, I asked my kids, would, would I still get to go to heaven? They're like, oh, I don't know. Okay, what about 51? And what we finally get to is that Jesus plus nothing equals heaven. Jesus plus nothing equals heaven. Because see, it's not good news to always wonder whether I've done enough or if I've tried hard enough or I've been to church enough times or maybe if I've helped enough people or if I've read enough of the Bible, how would I ever know? That's not good news. Good news is that Jesus died and said it is finished. That's good news. And that through my faith in Jesus, my sin is completely forgiven. And I'm now holy and spotless and forgiven of my sin and right with God. And I can know for sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. That's good news. That Jesus did it and I don't have to. So I give my life to Jesus and Jesus changes me from the inside out and completely alters the direction of my life. And some of you, you need that to happen to you. You've been rebelling against God and you need to give your life to Jesus and turn from your sin and begin to follow Jesus and be forgiven of your sin. And so if that's you tonight, I wanna to challenge you, give your life to Jesus. Check that box on that connection card that was in your chair when you came in. It says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Fill it out. Stop by our Next Step Center and turn that in. We'd love to pray with you and celebrate that decision with you. But we need a heart change tonight and only Jesus can give that to us. And so here's my challenge for you tonight is to speak a blessing to someone this week. Speak a blessing to someone this week. You may even be able to do that right now. Maybe there's someone that God's placed on your mind that you need to encourage, that you need to build up, that you need to give a cheerful word to, to build them up. Text them right now or as we're singing and say, man, I just want to encourage you. And tell them what God put on your heart or laid on your heart to encourage them with. 
wanna challenge you to speak a blessing into someone's life this week. Or maybe you need to go and to apologize someone for something that you said that sucked the life out of them rather than building them up. So would you just bow your heads, close your eyes, right where you're at. I just wanna invite you just to ask God to say, God, is there someone this week that I need to speak a cheerful word to, that I need to encourage, that I need to build up, that I need to speak a blessing into? You say, Jesus, would you reveal that to me right now? Is there someone that I need to bless this week and speak a word to that would encourage them? As God reveals that name to you, I wanna challenge you to take care of that as soon as possible. And then begin to make it a habit of speaking blessing into people's lives so that maybe you could become someone that breathes life into people and breathes life into the rooms that you walk in. You have a choice. You can speak a blessing and breathe life or you can speak a curse and suck life. Now, I just wanna invite you to stand. Our band's gonna lead us in time of worship and as you do, I just wanna invite you again just to close your eyes and continue to pray because I believe there's some of you here tonight and there's been curses that have been spoken over you. And tonight, we wanna be done with those in Jesus' name. So if you would, just kind of bow your head, close your eyes, because I just wanna invite you to maybe to respond and lift your hand up just between you and God and me as maybe some of these different things apply to you. So maybe someone has spoken a, a curse over you in your life about your physical appearance or your personality, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, yeah, I can, I can continue to battle with this and struggle with this, this curse or this label because of my appearance or, or personality. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Psalm 139 verse 13 says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You got your hand up right now. I want you to know in God's eyes, you are marvelous. And he knit you together, every piece of you in your mother's womb. If you're here tonight, and someone has spoken a curse over you, there's been a label put on you because of your sexual past. Would you just raise your hand and say, yep, that's me. I'm just gonna confess, yep, that's me. I struggle with that. I struggle with the labels that come with that past, with that brokenness from that sin. If that's you, just slip your hand up. And I wanna read a verse for you. It says this, Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. If you are in Christ, your sin, though it was like scarlet, it has now been made white as snow through the blood of Jesus. You don't have to carry that label anymore. You don't have to carry that curse anymore. You've been set free from that sin. You've been forgiven of that sin and you have been made as white as snow. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you came from a broken family and someone has spoken a curse over you that that's going to be you one day. You're just going to repeat what happened in your family. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, yep, that's me. That was me too. So if that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, yep, that's me. That curse, that label of having a broken family one day or for the rest of your life has been put on you. Say, yeah, that, that's me. Here's a verse I want to read for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. You have a new life in Jesus and Jesus can totally alter your family tree so that your family will look different than the family you came from. Maybe you've had the curse or the label of being worthless or not being able to do anything. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, yeah, I felt that curse or that label of being worthless. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, yep, that's me. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece and he has a plan for your life to do great things in and through you. Maybe someone has spoken a curse over you and said, you, no one likes you. You don't have any friends. You're not going to have any friends. If that's you and you feel that, that curse or that label of being alone, would you just put your hand up and say, yes, that's me. That's me. The Bible says this, and Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, so now the Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You have a new family in Christ Jesus. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that are here. You aren't alone. You've got a new family in Christ. Maybe you're here and you've had the, the label or the curse of being fearful or being scared, being afraid. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, yep, that's me. I've struggled with fear and the label of being constantly afraid. Second Timothy one verse seven says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Maybe you're here tonight and you've had the, the label or the curse spoken of you of being weak. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and say, yes, that, that's me, I, I feel weak. People have told me that they've spoken that over me. Second Corinthians 12 says this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weaknesses. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Tonight, Tonight, we are done with the curses that have been spoken over us. We are done with the hurts that people have spoken over us. In Jesus' name, you are done with those things. It's no longer who you are. Jesus, in this moment, as we sing, help us to believe your word, what's written, instead of what's been told to us or what's been spoken over us. God, break the chains of those curses that have been spoken over us, those labels that we've carried, God. Break the chains and the power, God, that those labels have over us. In Jesus' name, break them tonight.